welcome back to the Cheer Up Podcast with me, your host, Michael Cheer. So, season two is finally here. I just want to say thank you for all your patience and I'm sorry that it's taken so long to bring it to you all. I have to be honest, I have struggled to adapt being back working full time and focusing on the podcast while creating content for social media accounts at the same time. This has been such a useful learning experience for me though, and now that I've got back into the podcast, I'm now able to find solutions that help me make these podcasts far more efficiently. I've also started using new software to edit and record my podcasts, which has been another challenge and a hurdle that I'm learning to overcome as I go. For those interested, I'm now using Adobe Audition rather than Audacity. It's also been interesting to say the least, recording these interview-style podcasts over Zoom, with the COVID pandemic still restricting normality. I can't wait to be able to record some face-to-face podcasts, but that time will come. Anyway, I'm excited to share more insights from different people's perspectives when it comes to dealing with mental health, especially how people have had to react and adapt to the pandemic. I hope these episodes can act as a form of education and further insight. In this first episode, I'm grateful to be joined by my therapist Nia, who I worked with during my sessions and when I was at my lowest moments. I'm keen to share with you the professional's point of view when it comes to therapy and the commonalities between issues that people come to seek help for. I hope that this episode can be useful for people who have doubts about therapy and allow people who need that extra help to see the benefits and take the required action to get their life back on track. So, I really hope you enjoy this episode and that you can take something useful from it. Without further ado, let's jump into it. Today I'm joined by um, my therapist who I've worked with in the past, Nia, and we're going to be talking about um, the sort of practices of therapy and how much it's benefited me. And what I'm really keen to share with you is the therapist's point of view in a way, the professional side, and also going to touch upon how COVID has changed that, that sort of world and the impact that it's had on everyone especially the professionals. So I'm delighted to be joined here by Nia. Uh, Nia, would you like to just sort of do a little introduction about yourself? Sure, sure. First of all, thank you so much for having me here today, Michael. Um, It's been such a pleasure to really see your journey, but also I'm I'm very grateful to see where you are now. Something that... um, we really miss as therapists a lot um, of times to see where the people, how the people that we work with progress. We don't get to see very often the the, the more exciting parts of, of their life. And it's really such a pleasure to see to see where you are now and how you are, have made certain things, um, how you have made some lifestyle changes. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would be, I wouldn't be sort of saying it lightly, but I don't think I'd be anywhere near where I am right now without your help. So it's been, it's I can say from my personal experiences that therapy has been life changing for me. I mean, I've learned so much in that time, but I'm sure we'll go through some of the the key things that we'll, that I've sort of taken out of therapy that we can share with the people who are listening. I'm really keen to this. So I, I want to talk about um, COVID to start with and how how that sort of changed the, the world of therapy in a way, how 
it's changed for patients and how it's changed for yourself as a professional and how you're dealing how you've sort of adapted to deal with sort of virtual sessions in a way Mm-mm. such a heavy question to start with isn't it <laughs> so many things linked to that i mean there has been so many things that had to change in such a small um period of time um obviously in terms of um therapy we had to make a lot of adaptations both in therapy but also i mean we had to bring our work to our homes as everybody else but also i guess from a personal perspective our work is very linked to obviously our experience of how we feel in certain in certain ways and the way to manage this, I can only speak for myself. The way to manage this was to basically go to, to a building where, you know, it's my job. And then by the end of the day, I can, I can leave my work there and I can come back to, to my private life as it is for a lot of other people. And then all of this had to change, change so drastically. Um, so many things involved to, to, to our personal experiences of how our, our lifestyle changed so quickly. But also, I mean, we had to look at different methods and styles of therapy. Everything went online. We had to learn to, to be online therapists. Our, our, our service users, uh, the people that we work with, um, had to also adapt to that. I mean, such such great adaptations in such a small period of time. Of course, yes. yeah. I mean, I can I can speak from my experience of being the patient and how I sort of I came to the end of my therapy journey just as COVID had started. So I did have this sort of few odd sessions online, and it was it 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 was different, but it's sort of you still get a lot out of it which is one thing that i'm sort of keen to hammer home i don't think people should sort of feel deterred in a way or feel like they're not going to get the full experience because i think we all know that therapy is quite an intimate sort of scenario setting in a way where you're sort of opening you're trying to open up as much as possible but I think I think you can still get so much out of it just by talking to someone who knows what they're talking about as well in that scenario. Absolutely. Yes, it it's it's really interesting to actually examine these changes and actually really look at what's going on because as you as you very rightly say, it when we went into those changes, it almost felt you know, because we, we, we all like, I guess we all have found our ways of working and, and we like, um, our ways of working or absolutely, as you said as well, you know, therapy is something very intimate and, and there is a lot of things involved into kind of that kind of face to face. But also it was a in- really interesting journey when we went into the online world to see that actually that intimacy and that you, all of this Parts can also be maintained um, in in a in a different way. We are actually very adaptable, and you know we can actually see that in practice. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's it's 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 something that I don't think people will sort of pick up on in a way straight away if they sort of start off and have their first ever therapy session online. But I don't think that takes away from how 
how much you can get out of it. And I think yeah. that's something that we we can sort of we can sort of pick up on in the difference sort of between a a face to face and an online in a way where you sort of you you might you might feel more comfortable sitting in front of a person and then you're more willing to open up. But I think we we're gonna cover we're gonna get to that topic later on in terms of the relationship yes. between you a, yeah. a patient and a therapist. So I'll save a bit of that for later. But <laughs> what I wanted to talk about was sort of sharing a bit about my experience. Now I've, I know I've spoken about this in previous episodes in series one in the past about how how much I've gotten out of therapy. But I wanted to touch upon um, the sort of the thoughts behind triggers and I mentioned safety behaviours in the past and we're going to start with triggers because I think that it's important to know and important to talk about how everyone sort of gets triggered by something in a way we all sort of react differently but I want to sort of talk about um, what they are to start with first and why why we why 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 we sort of come across them why did they happen to us mm-hmm. so if you, i i don't know if you could sort of share shed some light on that because i think this is this is your your, your field of expertise you know this better than i do sure, sure. and um that's been a topic that uh, you and i have discussed quite a lot mm-hmm. as well so it's a really interesting one that uh, you bring up because we get so I think one of the things that we observed um, in in our journey, I guess, is um, kind of being very focused sometimes onto the why, 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 why is this happening? Um, and uh, basically, the short answer, I guess, for for why they happen is because we are human. We are designed to feel things. We are designed um, to to experience things that brings up emotions. And uh, the reason why they keep on happening a lot of times is because of the way that we interpret what our experience. So, for example, um, if we are tuning into a physical sensation, let's say, that is something that um, is triggering us, if we are really creating that belief of it must mean something, all our focus of attention is going to be there, isn't it? Hmm. So Definitely. naturally, that's going to bring on distress. And it depends on where we are going to decide if our programming is to be set into focus so much into the why, then that's going to create a lot more distress, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. I mean, speaking from experience, physical sensations were always the one for me where, where they would be the, the state change in a way. They would cause me to just go from feeling completely fine to sort of be in a state of complete and utter sort of terror at times, really. It would sort yeah. of trap me immobilize me in a way and that would that's that for me that was the main one physical sensations that's just one example that we've we've talked about and it's just how it changes our behavior i think is is a is a huge sort of sort of topic to discuss in a way because it can 
it changes how we behave. It changes what we think about. Our emotions are just sort of, they're inhibited in a way. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's nothing, see, a lot of people um, come to therapy thinking that there is a problem with, with emotion. Actually, we are, you know, we're just built to feel things. So that's completely, completely human. But actually, as you said, you know, it's, it's really interesting, especially with physical sensations, as you mentioned, because they are, they're real, you know. Um, so they're unexplained, they're real, and actually it becomes all, what happens there is that it becomes all our center of attention, yeah. isn't it? So, of course, because we are feeling this, the distress there because of our, but, you know, is, is the, distress coming, I guess, when we're asking why, rather than trying to ask, why is this happening? And becoming this our center of attention is, I guess, you know, looking a little bit at the interpretation or the belief mm-hmm. sometimes, because that's what makes us respond in a certain way. That's what creates the behavior. That's what creates the the avoidance or the checking and and then obviously it becomes a vicious circle. Yeah. I think one thing that I I read recently is how there's this misconception about what co- what's what causes what in a way in terms of why we feel bad is it the lack of action that we take that causes us to feel bad or is it the emotions that we feel that cause us to take little action and i think that's something that's very sort of it's a good debate in a way but i think it's always it's always how our lack of action causes the emotions that we feel in a way if I, I've, I think that's something that I've learned from experience, that if you sort of wallow in how you feel, then you sort of feel bad by not taking the appropriate action to get you out of there. But the, for me, I think looking back, the reality is that I never took the right action in a way which would help me get out of those disempowering states. I think what happens a lot of times... Um, when we're feeling anxious or in distress or really upset, um, when, when we're feeling overwhelmed is that we lose that communication with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when there is no communication, because if you think about it, extremes are generally um, unproductive, you know, not doing something or doing a lot of something. Okay. But actually what happens a lot of times when, um, what happens a lot of times is that we are losing that communication with ourselves. So of course that makes us very fearful mm. and, you know, it, it, cultivating fear actually leaves us in a very vulnerable state and very much in distress. So we don't have this space to say, okay, let, let's, let's really focus what's happening here. What, what do I need to do about that? I mean, that sort of sounds like you're, you're talking about when we've already hit that flight or, fr- or, or fight stage. Is that, is that correct? Or am I sort of jumping a bit ahead there? Fight or flight is really something that we that we do experience when we feel 
anxious when when mm. we are feeling in distress. Yes. Yeah. I think the <laughs> the next sort of stage from that is you mentioned avoidance and how when we're in these sort of states where we feel like we we can't get out of them we're sort of suffering with these anxious thoughts we sort of avoid anything that might make we think might make us feel even worse or we try and do things that will help us to feel better in a way but in reality it's not so it's not getting to the root of the problem it's not solving the sort of the real issue talk about Mm -hmm. that for a minute if you could okay absolutely well um i guess we are also a very very intelligent beings to not want to be in a state of distress so we want to avoid what makes us feel unsafe in a way Mm. what makes us feel um vulnerable what you know puts us in distress as we were saying before so um i guess the approach sometimes that we take is to naturally not want to be in that place and push it away but actually a lot of times when we push away certain things they can come back double in strength Mm. so that's when the unproductive side comes because we try to keep pushing harder and harder and harder and avoid even more. And then there's all this build up that happens that at some point you will come and hit us back. And, you know, that, that there is a, a whole kind of mm. cycle getting created there. But ultimately the reason why we do it is because we, we feel vulnerable or unsafe and we're trying to avoid something that creates distress something that makes us feel uncomfortable yeah and it makes a lot of sense to engage into avoidance or behaviors that are, we want we, we perceive that makes us feel safe um it does make a lot of sense but also they're not very helpful yeah it doesn't help in the long run i think i think that's the best way i can describe it in terms of my experience of <sighs> Well, I think you're, you're the one that sort of opened my eyes to the, the concept of safety behaviours and how we sort of go go to them to sort of try to make things better in a way. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I didn't have a clue what safety behaviours were before. And so if yeah. you could if you could come up with or define in a way what, sure. what, what safety behaviours are, I think that'd be great. Yeah. It's basically... Um, the things that the actions that we take, um, the actions that we engage in, that we believe that they makes us feel safe. So it could be from, you know, I'm going to take that bottle of water with me, um, just in case my throat dries up. Um, I'm going to, um, to engage into something that is going to give me that you know soothing feeling of okay not soothing but actually make me feel safe safe is the right word or i perceive interpret that it makes Mm. me feel safe but again that's something that in the long run it's it's never some it's never the the solution in a way it's just it's like a, a coping mechanism it's it's something that we do for short-term relief. So have mm-hmm. I got that correct? Absolutely. I, that? Absolutely. Yes. I guess the question mark there is if I engage in, if I take that action and I engage into it, 
if it brings down the anxiety in the short term, but then it maintains it, it's not, it's, it's what you said, it's actually a short-term relief, isn't it? Mm. But does it change my anxiety? Do I work on my anxiety? It's just a relief rather than actually, um, you know, managing or coping with it in a different way. I suppose I'm, I might be going off on a tangent here, but that's sort of triggered and sort of sparked a thought in my mind that is that sort of how addictions can be formed in a way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, there is a, that, that's, I guess, um, a very big discussion there mm. as well. But um, if we think about doing things that makes us th- feel a certain way or engaging in actions that makes us feel a certain way, um, it could be... Mm. Um, you know, one of the sides to, to addiction or one of the factors um, is engaging into something that makes me feel a certain way. Yeah. yeah. And just in terms of going back to safety behaviours, one thing that I struggled to, to comprehend at the start was noticing what behaviours were sort of uh, an empowering behaviour or a habit that could actually mm-hmm. be useful for me versus a safety behaviour that I at the time considered to be completely normal and fine and was weren't, weren't thinking that they were sort of contributing to the, the long-term anxiety. It's quite a fine line, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. So normally how, I think how we talk about that, and we talked a lot about values yes. um, in, in our work, I guess we we need to look as well about uh, one. Obviously, we we looked a lot at the costs and benefits of certain actions, but also another part that we looked at was the negative impact upon our values. You know, mm-hmm. if I engage, if I put all my focus of attention to to my physical sensations, for example, or to to something, I'm just talking about physical sensations mm-hmm. um, yeah. because it's related to to our work. But if I put all my focus of attention to how the other person is going to perceive me about how I speak, or if I put all my focus of attention to my physical sensation, or if I put all my focus of attention to, to, you know, something very specific, how does it impact on uh, my relationships with my family and my friends? How does it impact upon... Um, my life enjoyment how does it affect my work um, or you know my studies or anything sometimes we need to look a little bit at our values and looking at you know i'm taking some actions that i perceive to you know be helpful because they feel that uh, they are the right actions at that very moment Mm. but actually as you said before about the long run, how does it affect, does it have any impacts into mm. certain things, into my life? But, yeah. I think that's that's something in terms of values, something that I, I never really thought about. Everyone everyone in their mind, they think they know what they stand for, what, they, what their values are. But for me, 
it wasn't until I sort of went through therapy and you opened my eyes to this this idea that I actually sort of sat down and thought logically about where I want to be, what I, what's, what, how do I want to feel after this? What is my, what's my goal? And I yes. think that's that's something that it sort of feeds into into uh, the ongoing sort of relationship that you have with your therapist and how how you, you're sort of helping each other in a way. It's sort of a, a two way street. I yes. think that's that's something that I don't think people realize as well absolutely it's a bit like um you know it's a bit like a dance i guess Mm. um where you know sometimes you the therapist might take a little bit more of a lead at the beginning and Mm. um it's okay you know that's that's the idea so i guess for me it's very very important it's vital actually to Start looking at where do we want, where do you want to be at the end of this? Um, what is it that you want to get out of this? So important because this is what's going to, we're doing ther- therapy is not something pleasant. Yeah. It's actually not, <laughs> you know, it's actually um, not. <laughs> at the I, I, end. Yeah, at the end, I suppose. Yeah, at the end, it's definitely you, some, you look back on, but yeah. But during therapy is actually something that is really challenging a lot of Mm. the times. Um, And, you know, it can make me more anxious or it can make me um, more overwhelmed or upset a lot of the times. And um, it creates a lot of things. It brings up to the surface a lot of things. So it's not an easy journey. And actually being able to maintain that focus of where do I want to be by the end of it is the driving force a lot of the Mm. times or all of the times actually and we need to be able to to have that dance in order to be able to say okay well sometimes you know you you need by the end of it to be able to take that lead to to be able to um, be your own therapist really and that's something that uh, I very much support. I, I love that. I love that line, being your own therapy by the end or therapist by the end of it, because I think this is what it is. It's how you yeah. sort of need to need to be to sort of progress. And I think that's something that I've tried to do as much as possible, really. But I think what you said about the <laughs> the dance at the start, how it's the therapist trying to get some information out of the patient to start with. I think that's where that's where I struggle. Well, I, I say I struggled at the start. I think when you start therapy, like you said, it's very difficult. It, it you're stepping out of your comfort zone, but you're yes. you're you're there because you want you want to change in a way, or there needs to mm-hmm. be a change, and yeah. for that to happen, you need to step out of your comfort zone in a way to experience the, a new challenge. And I think when I when I went through it, it was more of a case of me sort of trying to find my feet, trying to develop that relationship with yourself before I could I felt comfortable sort of getting everything out. Because mm-hmm, there's sort mm-hmm. of I feel like there is that there is a comparison and there's two sort of ways where people or two sort of methods where someone will go into therapy and they'll be very reserved they won't know how to sort of approach it which is sort of how I I went into it and 
yes. reluctant at first to get everything out but in order for you to get the, the help that you need you need to sort of play put all your cards on the table but at the same time you don't want to be on the complete opposite mm-hmm. side of the scale where you're getting everything out straight away and I think that's where you where that metaphor of the dance where one person leads than the other it's very sort of very meaningful for that for that scenario yeah and, and I, it always um you know all of the things that you mentioned they absolutely we observe we observe all of this um in in our day-to-day in therapy and it's always really interesting to to observe it and say okay what's happening here why why is this happening mm. um because if we go back to that concept that we we're talking about before it's really Fear a lot of the time is vulnerability yeah. blocks us. You know, the, the fear of vulnerability blocks us a lot of the times into, you know, we might want to progress. We might want to, yeah, how, you know, we, why do we know about all of these concepts of living our life in a very healthy way or doing X, Y, Z, but actually a lot of the times we don't engage into certain things. And Mm. there might be a hundred different reasons, but one of them sometimes can be the fear um, of being vulnerable as well, of changing something that we know and that we are familiar with. I mean, I think that's something that resonates with me because vulnerability was something that I... I considered a weakness at first. It was something mm. that I never wanted to feel. If I felt vulnerable, that's when I sort of, I was sort of wallowing in those disempowering states at that point. But I think now accepting that the vulnerability is such a huge step because I know now that I can look back on where I was two, three years ago and see how much I've grown. And it's because yes. of that vulnerability that I've grown in a way. And I think that's that's something that therapy gives you because it's not it's not going to be a quick fix. You're not going to just go in and after one session, all your problems are going to be washed away. It's about growing and learning and realizing that it is a lifestyle change. I've mentioned it a lot of times in previous episodes that it's not it's not or it's it's like going to the gym. You, yes. I mean, this is this is a <laughs> metaphor that you you actually introduced I to me, and I loved it. Yeah. You don't you don't just develop that the physical muscles after going to the gym once in the same way that going to therapy is not just gonna magically cure all of your problems. Yeah. And um you know it's I, I love this, I use this metaphor, it's very me, yes. Mm. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it's really about, you know, some actually there there is a combination of reasons why sometimes we we expect that we fix, and that's very understandable as well. Even if we think about um, cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, that mm-hmm. obviously it's, it is tools, and um, we are talking about tools, and, and that that is what it is. But also, sometimes we we take these tools into our mind as kind of like, okay, I need to just go there to get answers um, to 
you know, and, and it's all going to vanish, you know, kind of my feelings or how, how I feel about certain situations or the situation itself, it's, it, itself is going to vanish. And it's, mm. that's not realistic. We're using these tools. We learn to improve our skills and, and use these tools in order to be able to take a different approach in situations because life is going to continue happening after therapy. Um, and actually, you know, going back to what we're saying about the gym, I always use the, you know, I, I really love that um, example of, you know, it's like going to the gym and, you know, getting that membership is not going to change anything really. Mm. It's your commitment that and, and that lifestyle approach that is going to change things. Yeah, and I think one thing that I've taken out since since sort of coming to the end of therapy is how those little steps, those little milestones that you create for yourself, they might not be the the huge sort of change or they might not be the change in a way, but they contribute massively. So you say about how getting a membership is not going to automatically give you mm. the the, f- the muscles that you want or be you'll become the, the f- as fit as you want to be but without the membership you're not going to be so it's it is just 100%. it's all about it's all about stepping stones i think and and small steps towards yes. towards that and i the, i remember one th- a video that you shared with me during my therapy sessions was about the difference between being goal driven and the difference between sort of values. observing uh, yeah value driven and observing the journey that you're on yes because if you're yeah. solely thinking about the, your your goal you're always going to be disappointed because once you achieve something you're always looking for the next thing and the next thing mm-hmm. you ne- you're never sort of gonna sort of celebrate where you are exactly and and if we think about change actually you know we need to think about, okay, do we come into therapy having this idea that there's going to be this magical thing that, you know, it's going to happen once and, and, you know, it's going to change my life. Sometimes we go into therapy thinking about there's going to be this big thing that I do not know about, that I have no idea about, and it's going to change my life, which is actually what you're very rightly saying there is that it's an accumulation and a, and a collection of, you know, these committed actions that are going to make that contribute, that are going to contribute into these changes. And something, if we go back to that concept that we were saying before about accepting vulnerability, change is going to happen when I give time to myself, the commitment mm-hmm. to take these daily actions have them into place on a day-to-day, be committed to actually approach the situation in a different way, on a, in a more um, loving way rather than kind of, um, uh, I don't know, maybe judgmental way. Yeah. I think judgment is something that is a sort of silent killer to us all when it comes to achieving what we want and yeah. making the progress that we we, we strive for and I think that's something that I'm now trying to to counteract by just focusing on specific milestones yes. and I think that's something that I've learned from you and from 
um, therapy and when we worked on the the blueprint of how we go forward once therapy's over in a way because it's all well and good you learn all of this stuff but if you don't put any action into place you're going to be back at square one you're not going to you're not going to solve your problems yes and and you took on a challenge the yeah. 30 days challenge it we looked a lot into habit change of habits and how habits are created and blueprint is is very important um to me i think it's a because it's like we are looking at putting everything together completing a piece of work and then there is a new beginning yeah. and you know let's look at okay what what are the goals from now on what are how are, am i going to keep being committed um to my values how am i going to you know what are the next the next steps what do i need to go back to if i need to hmm. and that um yeah. oh, go on sorry no i'll let you finish there <laughs> and and that idea as well of knowing that there are going to be ups and downs and mm. and that that's okay and I, I can you know I can go I have I do not have one way to go about things necessarily now maybe I have choices mm. I mean I think one thing I've learned or not say I keep saying one thing I've learned I've learned so much but another thing that I've <laughs> learned is that therapy is People might look at it and think therapy is is like the end or or a beginning in a way, but it's it, I think it's more of like a transition period. It's like absolutely. It's like if if there was a way of describing it, it's almost like a a chapter between two chapters. It's like the middle. <laughs> yeah, that's a very, the, mid, the, yeah. the middle ground. You want to, you want to close the cha- the the pages of the the life that you want to leave behind you but you're not just going to find yourself in that rosy place of where you want to be there needs to be there needs to be something that you go through to get you to that place and i think yeah. that's that's what therapy's been like for me but one thing i wanted to touch upon is you mentioned about cbt and for me i i know that i struggled a lot with challenging my thoughts in the moment when i was mm-hmm. in those in those sort of dark places when i was struggling like you've mentioned about the physical sensations for me challenge like trying to sort of align my mind to be to be able to sort of be on top of things and try to focus on what i need to do to get me out of how I'm feeling now that was always something that I struggled with have you got any advice to people that might be in that sort of same boat where once they start thinking about something it becomes a very difficult challenge to get to sort of snap out of it yes absolutely and um, we have to think about why and and the the route that we are taking a lot of times because if i if my it goes back to where is my focus of attention where is my center of attention if my center of attention is to try and explain um and trying to find for example um 
the reason for something, and I'm very focused onto that. Let's say with the physical, I'm talking, I'm thinking about the physical sensations specifically. Um, I'm very tuned into something that actually is it helpful, um, or is it quite restrictive in my life? If I start, and, and what is always making me think is that actually, am I losing that communication with myself, or am I? able to communicate with myself because if I'm going back to thinking about therapy, sometimes when we're feeling overwhelmed, when we are feeling distressed, what happens is that we do not have space to mm. communicate with ourselves, to, to ask, okay, what, what's going on right now? Yeah. Why am I feeling this way? What's happening? And sometimes that's one of the things that obviously we, we do learn techniques and tools and, and things like that, but also, something that is very important to create is that space for flexibility and um, to challenge anything. Because when you're in distress, there is simply no space. So we do not have that opportunity mm. to communicate with ourselves. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think one the the sort of technique that I've got out, out of that to sort of help me, that it took a, it took a lot of time to sort of find yes. the right technique for me but I needed a way to sort of interrupt my thoughts I needed a way to sort of change my well literally just completely shift my my thinking mm, in yeah. a way and you, you did you did teach me about sort of um techniques for for example, when I was driving, I was, yes. was I think the example was uh, when I was driving back from the gym, sometimes, I mean, they say exercise is, is well, exercise is very good for, for you. But for me, when I suffered with my health anxiety, at sort of at the worst times, I would have worst case scenario thoughts mm -hmm. about yeah. if I had overexerted myself in the gym and I'd be driving home. And what if I would were to sort of, what if my heart were to stop, for example, and all of a sudden those thoughts were going in my head yeah. and yeah. now all of a sudden I'm not sort of as focused on the road as I should be. And it was mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. about sort of using your senses. And I think I mentioned that in the past about squeezing the steering wheel. That was a really good one that you taught me. And I, and trying to count the colour of cars, for example. That was, yeah. a, was, a, that was always a fun one. <laughs> bringing, so the whole idea of that is bringing my focus and attention back to the here and now. Mm. Uh, and, and the whole idea, it's very, very simple things, really. Uh, and it's not about, you know, the, the one golden rule or anything like that. But the whole, it's about the objective, about the purpose, really. We are looking at... When, when, think about it, or let's think about it. When, when we are engaging with these racing thoughts, they are going to take more and more and more and more and more space. So what actually we need to do is there, to, to revert that and actually really be able to focus on the here and now. Yeah. Bring our focus of attention back to the here and now. And that's gonna, Make us engage back to, to the present moment and not necessarily engage with all these necessary, with all these racing thoughts, which is going to give us more space to start working on a different approach. 
Yeah, I think it's also worth me mentioning right now that these techniques aren't just for people suffering with health anxiety as well. This is for any sort of anxiety disorder in a way. If you're feeling bad, if, you, if you're having overwhelming thoughts about anything, it's about just shifting that just where you are. Focus shifting the, yeah. yeah, the focus of attention needs to change and you need to sort of ground yourself. Yeah, and it's helpful a lot of times when we feel that we do not have space because our mind is too busy with what's going to happen, what might or might not happen in the future. And it's really helpful to bring ourselves back to the here and now, just because otherwise we just, these thoughts take more and more and more and more space. Mm, definitely, yeah. I think when when we look, when I look back towards the end of my my therapy journey and you mentioned the 30-day challenge mm -hmm. i know you're you're a big advocate of just try it and see what happens but yes. even even right now i'm always going through sort of challenges where if i want to change something in my life give it 30 days and then but usually by then it's developed into a habit already so you're not even thinking exactly. about going back it's already sort of ingrained in you that okay, this is the new normal now. Exactly. I, yeah. I'm not sure I understand. Um, Siri's trying to get involved on our, on our, on our podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in terms of, um, of that, I'm, I am a very big advocate because then, you know, a lot of people that I've worked with try something once and um, they will come back after a week or two and say, oh, it didn't work. Mm. And um, I would say, okay, well, you know, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to do pull-ups at the moment, okay? I don't have a very strong call. And, you know, is it that if I try to do it once, is it going to work the first time? Yeah. It actually takes a lot of commitment and, and persistence to, to keep working on it, to, to, you know, be able to do pull-ups. Um, but it's actually about that habit and that commitment to this action that is creating that change of lifestyle that we we always keep mm. discussing between us yeah and you mentioned the word flexibility earlier on and i think mm. that's so key with this as well because you need to you need to have that sort of awareness that yes if you feel like something's not working for you you need to be flexible and you need to sort of try and make small adaptations here and there to see what does work for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, it's about that idea of being able to be curious. If something doesn't work, looking at why it doesn't work, um, what to, and, and looking at how can I approach this in a different situation. Hmm. I think one of my favourite metaphors that I heard about about this sort of area was was from Tony Robbins and he mentions how when a child is learning a baby is learning to walk he will it, it, he or she will fail constantly when they're growing but they they constantly adapt and they're finding out what works for them and what doesn't work for them exactly you, you wouldn't discourage them from from constantly trying 
they have to exactly. figure it out for themselves in a way. And it's, it's like the perfect, perfect comparison. Well, exactly. Absolutely. Because, you know, it's all about trial and error, really. It's going back to what I've always been telling you about. Okay, mm. give it a try and see what happens. Yeah, exactly. We don't yeah. have the golden rules. We don't have, you know, the, 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 the magic about, you know, everybody's so complex and individual and you know we're all so different so there's no one size fits all but also that doesn't need to prevent us from trying new approaches when we see that something is keeping us stuck and something is not working I think as well that sort of comes back to the idea of you don't want to be in the situation where you picture something going a certain way in your mind but you can't achieve what you're thinking immediately, so you take no action at all. You yes. want to you want to take some action that will get you to where where you're going, mm-hmm. where you want to be in a way. Otherwise you're sort of it's it's it I think this is this is where perfectionism comes in as the there's the pros and the cons. And for me it's sort of like when I started podcasting, for example, I want you, you sort of want the best of everything to make it as best as possible. But you know, when you're starting, either you can't afford everything and everything to to make it the perfect sort of podcast, but you yeah. know that you need to start somewhere. And it's yes. the same with therapy; you need to have that, that step. And and yeah. to be fair, therapy is usually that first step. Yeah. Yeah, and there are going to be times that, you know, uh, I'm going to feel great. There are going to be times that I'm going to feel pretty rubbish and there are going to be times that I'm going to feel very upset or there are times that, you know, it might not be perfect and it's, mm. it's okay. It's all part of the process. I guess that's the idea. 100% it needs to start from somewhere and really be able to observe and review is skills that are very important in that process. Mm. Yeah, I think I've 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 definitely learned a lot from you Nia. <laughs> and I, I I'm just I'm just glad that I could I I'm in this position now where I want to be able to share with people what I've learned. And um, I think it show I think it's a good it's a good barometer of seeing how far I've come when I look back to where I was almost almost three years ago, I think it was or two years ago to the day almost well, roughly. I think it was March when I started my therapy yes. sessions. So it's just it's crazy how, how time flies in a way. Absolutely. How different, how different things are. Things are very different and it makes me genuinely happy to see how you really become an ambassador and uh, of, of mental health, especially for men as well. And the voice um, of, uh, you know, kind of basically really talking about these issues that were very unfamiliar mm. at the beginning um it's really interesting to see your your progress and your journey and i'm very grateful that i'm still able to to see all this and all this progress well, i i can't express how grateful i am for for the change in me really that you've you've contributed so much with thank so I, I can thank only thank you for that
Thank you so much. Well, it's it's all about a lot of times stepping out of, you know, when you were saying as well about his perfection, it goes back to all this kind of extreme black and white thinking sometimes mm. and expectations and going back to, you know, our disappointment where something is not quite working the way that we want it, but actually accepting that, you know, there are going to be ups and downs, that there are going to be blocks and uh, difficult moments along the way it's all part of being mm. able to have this communication with ourselves and, and accepting to to be vulnerable in order to be able to create space for change mm. definitely agree with that uh, I'm, I'm i'm so proud and sort of happy that i could have you as my my first guest on this on my on my podcast journey i think this has been a great topic to talk about because i think it's it's important that especially in these tough times how people there's going to be a lot of people stuck at home still by themselves potentially and they're probably there might be in in, scenario, in in a scenario where they're they're contemplating going or trying to go for therapy sessions mm-hmm. get some help professionally and i i'm, I'm a big advocate in in therapy so i can only encourage people to go if they if they feel they need to because it's it's only going to do you good it can't it's not going to make you feel worse thank you so much and i feel very privileged about all your kind words and uh, i am very pleased to to hear about all your dreams but also as you said you are a very big advocate in, in of therapy and in mental health as well which is lovely to see that you are taking something from your experience and it is something really great to see well i'm yeah i think this is this has been a great great start to what is i'm hoping to be series two well mm-hmm. not hoping it is going to be series two guys so please join me again for more podcasts and i just want to thank nia for joining me once again and yeah guys i will see you later bye